All right. Praise the Lord. We are back in our uh, text. Um, we are back in our study. We are back in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 32 through 37. Let's go ahead and read our text. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with thee. As always, may God have a blessing on those who read and hear and do his word, especially those that do his word. Amen. We've said it before um, and always, and it's always a proper thing to say. The word of God is to be done. It's to be carried out. We, these are God's instructions to us, brothers and sisters, whenever you listen to this, wherever you listen to this, and whoever you may be listening to this, God's word is not meant to sit on a shelf. It's not meant to collect dust. It's not meant to be a bookend, and it is certainly not meant to be decoration for a room. No, God's word is meant to be used. You got to crack open that Bible. You got to pull it off the shelf. You got to get it out of that box, wherever it is that you keep it, wherever it is, and wherever it is at which you are uh, neglecting it, you got to come away from that. You got to go back to it, not neglect it. You got to grab the word of God and you've got to use it. Now, we've been talking about some wonderful, wonderful things. This lesson has has been a blessing in every way, um, at least I know to myself as we've been going through this. Um, this has been a tremendous uh, blessing. Our text says uh, in First uh, Samuel 17 and 32, as we kind of pick things back up, the word of God says in that 32nd verse, and David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Amen. Let no man's heart fail thee. Amen. Let no man's heart fail thee. And we've talked about a number um, of things, okay? Because this phrase that David uses, let no man's heart fail, right? Um, let no man's heart fail thee. This phrasing that he uses, we said last week that really what David was doing was that he was really addressing the elephant in the room, the elephant that's so often in many rooms, man. And we said that the elephant in the room, when we broke it down, we said what it is in essence or in actuality 
is none other than fear. Amen. We said that fear, okay, oftentimes is the problem and the obstacle that seems to be overarching in many of life's situations. Amen. The problem and obstacle that tends to have a bad habit of literally just showing up at the worst time possible, so it would seem. Whenever we take on and whenever we face and have to deal with the challenges of life, man, that obstacle of fear just seems to have no respect. It shows right up. And, and, and you know, and, and we got to talk about that. We have to talk about that because fear is, why, is right where many of us are. That's where we reside. Fear. We're dealing with it on so many different levels, in so many situations and circumstances. We, we, we find ourselves out of control. And when I say that, I don't mean spinning out of control. I don't mean it in that sense. I literally mean that we're out of control and that we find ourselves not having the ability to uh, influence the situations and circumstances around us. So we have a lack of control. We don't have control over it. We don't have the ability to uh, oftentimes to dictate how things go. We don't often have the final word in situations. We can't just turn things around. A doctor gives us a diagnosis and we just can't. And, 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 and we ourselves just can't undo it, right? Um, a circumstance can happen in the family um, and um, with a family member. And all of a sudden you find your you find your your heart is breaking, your heart is aching, really, because of what your loved one is going through. And if you could, you would take it all away, you turn it all around, you do away with all of these things, but you find yourself out of control without the ability to actually do anything. And life is like that sometimes. Situations are like that sometimes. You work a job and you're trying to make ends meet, right? And and, and all you want to do is provide. You don't, you're not trying to be slick. You're not trying to beat the system. You're, you're, you're paying your taxes. You're doing all of the things that you know to do, even in the eyes of, of being a good citizen here, you know, in, the, in, in wherever it is that you, you're doing for all intents and purposes. You seem to be doing just what you're supposed to do. And in essence, you're probably doing all that you know how to do yet. You might get some bad news and your job's on the line or, or maybe something is, is getting ready to happen. I know myself, I've dealt with that at times where, you know, one minute I'm working and then the next thing I know, I find out that my uh, whole department is being outsourced. That's happened to me in the past. I love to say that, that it, those types of things didn't happen. And all of a sudden, the ability to provide for the family is in question all of a sudden in a moment's time through because of decisions and things that are made above me or or uh, that I'm not a part of now all of a sudden my the ability to take care of myself so to speak seems to be challenged or even threatened and when things like this life and I'm just talking about just 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 down home just life in general sometimes some things will happen and man all of a sudden you'll be running up against that 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 beast that is fear will come knocking on your door and situations will bring that that kind those types of things okay and we said last week that 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 David's response is was a wonderful wonderful uh, 
precursor or foreshadow, if you will, to the character of Christ. Amen. We said that was a wonderful, the fact that he would say, let no man's heart. When you looked at this, amen. Remember Jesus, all right, our, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't, it, it would be centuries before he stepped on the scene. Amen. 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 Approximately about 42 generations, actually, is what it would be before he stepped onto the scene to pay the ransom of sin that was our debt, not his own. Jesus died on the cross for sins that were not his own. We want to make sure we understand that. Make sure you, you understand because this is the fuel that you need. This is the motivation that we've got to keep in our repertoire as our reasons for why we praise God, why we go as hard as we can to praise God as much as we can. I'm telling you, Jesus paid it all and he did it and he paid for sins that were not his own. The word of God is very plain. He didn't have any sin. No, no. He didn't die for his sins and ours. It wasn't none of that. No. Family, he died for our sins. He was sinless. The requirement to be the sacrifice required a spotless lamb. This means that the sin offering had to be without blemish. Jesus was our sin offering. And in order for him to be qualified to be that sin offering, he could not be in possession of sin himself. Amen. And by that, we mean that he couldn't be, he couldn't be a, a culprit of sin. He couldn't go around committing sin. In other words, he couldn't be just as guilty as, of, of sin as we were in order to pay for our sins. No, the sacrifice had to be devoid of sin, meaning that he had no sins that he committed of, him, of himself. On his own, he didn't commit no sin. Amen. Amen. Did he have the ability to sin? Absolutely. He was in the flesh. He took on the nature of flesh. That came with it, the, all the same possibilities that affect you and I. Hungry, thirsty, tired, sleepy, every, all of these things. All natural desire, anything that you could come up against, he came up against. He could deal with. The difference is, is that in order for him to be qualified to pay for that ransom, with every temptation and everything that he came up against in the flesh, he needed to have overcome everyone and not fallen into the snare and the temptation of sin. And he had to do it every single day. And this is what Jesus did. Amen. 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 Don't we want to make sure that we keep that in mind and in focus because we don't want to diminish the work. A lot of people don't really think of it like that. And I know that I myself haven't always thought about it in terms of that, but, but Jesus had to be sinless every day, every day, every day. Now, I want you to think just, just, just as you are where you are, okay? Little, little, little exercise. How often, if you take, take a step back, take a look at yourself, how often do you, when you assess yourself, how often do you struggle 
with doing the right thing. Now, I'm not, and I am not now, I'm, what we're not talking about, I don't want you to get into view the times where you drop the ball. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about whether you, whether you succeed or fail, okay? I'm not talking about the outcome of it. What I'm talking about is the temptation of it. What I'm talking about is the exposure. How often, if you think about it, how often do you wrestle with the decision, with the choice of doing the right thing or the wrong thing. And I want you to think about it on a daily basis. How often do you think that occurs during the course of one day? That you are conflicted. Don't worry, we're not talking about the choice. But where you have to make a choice. Quite a bit, right? Yeah. Same here. If I think about it, when I think about it, if, if I boil it all down, Man, on, on on a daily basis, man, it's probably it, sometimes it can be countless. I lose, I, I would literally lose count. I don't know that I could actually even count it all. On some days, how many times I wrestle with the decision to do the right thing or the wrong thing. Now, with that, I want you to keep this in mind. Jesus, in order to pay for your sins. When God took on that flesh, took on that body, and then that body inherited the name. That's what the Bible teaches us in Hebrews, that he, Jesus received his name by inheritance. God, it, when we talk about Jesus, we're talking about God. This is what the scripture teaches, and this is what Christians, this is what children of God believe. Now, if you do not believe this, you are not a Christian. You hear what I'm telling you? You, in order to be a child of God, you must believe the gospel. And the gospel says that he was born of a virgin. That means that he did not have a earthly father. This is what those of the household of faith, this is what we believe. Is that an incredible story? Absolutely. God designed it just that way. God did it just that way. God did it in the most incredible fashion of all. That Bible teaches that he was born of a virgin. He lived among men. He worked all manner of miracles. And then he went to a cross and he paid for sins that were not his own. Now, The prerequisite necessary for him to be able to do this was that he had to be sinless. He had to have a human, God had to take on a, a human body, a human form. Why? Because it was a human that messed it up. God wasn't the one who sinned. God didn't mess it up. People messed it up. And so the, so the ransom required a, it was a man that messed it up. The ransom required a man to fix it up. Simple as that. It's not rocket science. This is why he did what he did. This is why he came. You couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Yet he still wanted fellowship with you and I. Even though we were fallen and broken in so many ways, he still wanted you. He still wanted me. 
So he took on the form of a servant. He took on the nature of a man. He took on the flesh of a man. That flesh had to have the same ability. It couldn't be different. He couldn't have come up with a, a, some kind of different type of, of human. No, it would be disqualified. He had to overcome sin. And this meant every single day. Go back to the exercise that we just did a few moments ago where you played in your mind. How many times a day do you think on a given day, do you sometimes struggle with choosing the right thing or the wrong thing? Just the choice to do the right or the wrong. Not, don't, we're not talking about the choice itself. And if you think about that, Jesus had to endure the same thing. Bible says, you know, that he was, you know, that, that he was basically that in every way that, that we are, he was tempted. He was tempted just the same as we were. In other words, he had to deal with the same temptation. But the thing is that if he was going to be a sacrifice for us, something had to happen. You know what it was? He had to succeed where all other men failed. He had to be the one to overcome sin, meaning what? That though he had the ability to sin, though he had the possibility to sin, though he had the opportunity to sin, he had to be the one in a million, one in a billion. He had to be the one that overcame those temptations that did not fall to those sins in order. And he had to do that just to be qualified to be our savior. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Because when you think of yourself and I think of myself, I'm like, man, I struggle with all. And, and sometimes and I drop just, man, you're bombarded with, with the opportunity to do the right or the wrong thing. And as human beings, we just don't get it right. But in order for Jesus to, 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 to be our, our savior, he had to get it right. And that's exactly what he did. He got it right. So we never want to diminish the work of Christ and the work of the cross, what he did. We don't, we don't want to move past that and just move too quick. That was a wonderful, wonderful thing. Amen. Amen. And David's character, David exhibiting in our text where he says, let no man's heart fail thee or let no man's heart fail. We said that that's a wonderful precursor and foreshadow to the character of Christ. Amen. Because yes, David got many things wrong, but it's good to know that while yes, he did get things, he did get some things wrong. There were some things that he was able to get right. And that's encouraging. You know why? Because there we listen, because it means that we don't, you and I don't have to always drop the ball. No, we are not perfect like Jesus. But Jesus paid the ransom so that we could keep walking down that journey, down that road towards perfection. He's making us perfect. We ourselves aren't doing anything on our own. He is perfecting us. See, that salvation that you and I enjoy today It bought us the opportunity and the privilege 
to get back up when we fall down. And life will knock you down sometimes. You will fall down sometimes. I wish that wasn't the case, but it is. You and I will fall sometimes, but Calvary was the helping hand. Calvary, the work of the cross is what Jesus did to lift you up so that you could get up. He did you do, oh, I hope you, I hope you hear it. I hope you hear it. It's so, it's so very important. David said, let no man's heart fail. And, and we said that he, so he addressed, he addressed the elephant in the room that is fear, right? That's what he was doing. And we said something, we said that, that Jesus, um, or God almighty often helps us start uh, our tasks or assignments that he gives to us. Okay. Or the things that we have no choice in the matter, but we have to face, we have to deal with. God helps us start and carry out these different tasks by first dispelling fear. Amen. He dispels the fear that surrounds it. That's what Jesus does. That is what God Almighty does. He often starts with tackling the issue of fear. Why does he do it? Because fear, the wrong kind of fear. Now we're, now we're building from last week, okay? The wrong kind of fear is always an adversary to progress whether that's spiritual progress or otherwise. The wrong kind of fear. And that's something that you and I got to make sure that we understand. This is why we're talking about why does God often start with helping us by dispelling the fear that surrounds any, the task and the things. And we're saying because the wrong kind of fear always is always rather an adversary to progress. And it doesn't matter whether it's you're trying to make spiritual progress or natural progress in something. You get the wrong kind of fear, you're gonna have some problems. You're gonna have some obstacles. You are going to have some challenges if you get the wrong type of fear. This is just what it is. This is just what it is, amen. There are different types of fear, amen. There are different types of fear. And this is something that we want to talk about because we went, we're adding context. Because when we start talking about fear, we can easily go <clears throat> too far to the left or too far to the right. Well, we don't want to do that. As God gives us permission, we want to bring the word of God. We want to rightly divide it. We need it to bring balance to the scripture. Amen. So we got to look at what the word of God is actually saying. Listen, there are different types of fear. Amen. Amen. There is the type of fear that is reverence. That's a good, healthy fear. Amen. Amen. That is a good, healthy fear, reverence, because what that is really means is simply respect. Okay. When you respect and honor the things of God, the word of God teaches that that is what is known as the fear of the Lord. To be obedient, 
to have enough respect for God and his ways and his word and his commandments, enough respect to actually do it. And that's where many of us kind of run aground or get stuck in the mud and start spinning our wheels. We don't, we, 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 we respect the fact that there is a God, huh, but we don't respect God enough but we, to do what he says. And, and unfortunately, when that's the case, we're not really respecting God at all. Amen. We're disrespecting him. Amen. So there's that fear that is reverence. And that's that fear that when it is present, it motivates you to be obedient to the instructions and the commandments of God. That's a good fear. That's a good fear. That's a good fear. There's also another type of fear, and I'm not going to go into every single single type, but I'm just bringing out a few of, of, a few of them. There's another type of fear, amen, that deals with the one's ability or, uh, or influences um, the, a person, whether a person will flee or whether a person will fight. Some of the calls, sometimes people refer to it as uh, flight or fright kind of a mechanism and that fear influences that. It, it influences a person um, 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 in the area of either uh, prompting them to flee, run away, okay? Or to fight, to stand your ground, amen. This type of fear, if you think about it, if you think about this, this type of fear, this is a necessary type of fear when it is in proper balance. Amen. Because fear allows you the, to accurately, when you have the right one, when you have the at the right, when it's now, this is assuming, of course, that this is all happening in the right context. Now, many times it's not happening in the right context. So, but we just, you know, we're assuming that it is. But fear in certain situations will govern or influence the decision to run away. And there are some things, especially in the natural or what or the why, where you need to run away. You need to get away from it. And even in the spiritual. You need to, you got to get away from it. Take fornication. Uh-oh, that's a big topic. Sleeping around, unmarried. Take that. The Bible says flee fornication. You got to run away from it. That's, you got to fear it. You got to fear the deception of it. The world says that it might be good and all these other sorts of things. And, 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 and those that engage in it will tell you that it's all good and all this other kind of stuff and so on and so forth. But man, that puts you on hell's radar. It ain't, <laughs> let me tell you something. The, 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 no, 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 no. You got you to fear that enough to run away. Maybe something, uh, you know, that's, 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 that's one aspect of it, but it, but it even, even all, but other natural aspects as well. 
car comes barreling down at you, you know, I mean, you, you, well, you don't want to stand there. No, fear helps you overcome those things. Then it also helps you decide when it's time to stand your ground. As I said, fright or flight or fight and fright, all different combinations. You can, you can just mix and match them, but fear governs and influences all of these different things. And when there is a healthy balance and the right balance, then those things operate at the right time and the right result comes from it. But then there's another type of fear. And there's a type of fear that has torment. And you don't want that kind of fear. That's a type of fear that is reserved for the wicked. And the Bible teaches that very plain. It is a fear that brings punishment. That both is a punishment and brings punishment. So there, there are different types of fear. Um, in the there just there are different types of fear, and you want to know these different things. But and and you want to know them because fear in itself, because there are different types. This is why fear in itself is not inherently evil. Okay, you need to understand that. Because sometimes people make it seem like, you know, that the, you know, fear is the bane of your existence. No, 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 no. Okay. Fear in itself is not inherently evil. Thus, it is not an, a, a bad or an evil emotion. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it, it certainly is not one to be shunned. I know that, you know, when we talk about that, nobody wants to deal with it, but it has its place. It has its place. Amen. The emotion uh, and ability to fear comes from God. Thus, as with all emotions, fear serves a purpose. Amen. And we just and and when we just talked about some of those different types of fear, it should be easy at this point, or easier at this point, to tell that yeah, not all not, that not all fear is bad. There there are some there there are some benefits to it. You do want it. You you do need fear. You need it for certain for certain things, okay? Because fear is a is a is a motivating emotion. Amen. Amen. It is a mode, it is off, it is a powerful motivating emotion. And because because it motivates many different activities, but you get the wrong kind and it will motivate the wrong activity or the wrong response. But you get the right kind you're going to get the right response and you're going to get the good thing. So, so it, it's not, it's not inherently evil. It's not inherently bad. It's not something that you need to shun. Right. And it serves a purpose. However, many things in life can and will trigger the fear response or the, or the response of fear. There are going to be many things in life that, that trigger the fear response or the response of fear, but be that as it may, fear, though sometimes a natural response, it is not always the correct response, depending on the type. You know what I'm saying? The correct type that's always, always, always proper, no matter when and where it is, first and foremost, of course, is the fear of the Lord. That's that reverence and that respect 
whereby you do what the word of God. Now, that is the one type of fear that should be present and accounted for all day, every day. Amen, 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 amen. You want to be obedient to the word of God because you want the blessings of God to flow into your life and to apply to you. But you got to remember, the Bible says that God is faithful. Do you know why God is called faithful? He does not call faithful just because he wanted that title. You know, you know, he didn't get the title of faithful simply because he arbitrarily decided to give it to himself or somebody. That's not why God is called faithful. God is called faithful because he absolutely does what he says he's going to do. And he does not do what he says he will not do. In essence, God is faithful because he is consistent to both the blessing and the curse. The blessing is the thing that God says he's going to do if you do if you are obedient and do XYZ. But he is faithful to the curse as well. Those are the negative things that God says he will do or won't do if you are disobedient to the instructions and the command of God. God gets the title of faithful because whether it is in the area of blessing or whether it is in the area of cursing, God absolutely does what he says he, was, he is going to do. You need to make sure you know that. Make sure you know that. God is faithful to both the blessing and the curse. Remember that. Remember that. Don't let the devil talk you into and misguide you and mislead you. Thinking that you can color outside the lines of God's will, his commandments, and you can still reap the blessings of God. No, you will not. God is faithful to the curse. We don't like to talk about that. We don't like to deal with that because we, it's easier to just talk about God blessing and God doing it. But you need to understand, family, if you are not doing what God told you to do, you're not getting ready to be blessed. I, 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 I don't really know how else to really say that or how many other ways to say that. But you cannot live in sin. I'm going to preach about it. I'm going to teach about it until I'm blue in the face. You cannot live in sin and think you're going to get away with it. It's not going to happen. Now, the devil going to spin a yarn, I'm telling you, and you're going to think that you can get away with it. You're going to think that nobody sees you, but there is not one time. I am telling you right now, God has you on tape. The fear of the Lord, my fr friends and family, is the beginning of wisdom is what the word teaches us. That reverence and that respect. And if you are not, if you are listening to this message, no matter where you are, no matter when you are, You can say that you love God all day long. You can call yourself a believer all day long. You can do all of that, but I am telling you this.
if you do not obey the shepherd's voice, you do not belong to him. If that is what you do and that is where you reside and you are just not doing, you're not, it doesn't work any other way. God is never going to allow himself to be second fiddle. He ain't going to be your God on the side. All the while you loving it up with a false God. Uh-uh. <laughs> Get that trash out of here. God is not second string. And he's not going to be your good thing. He ain't finna be the God you pull out when you want every now and then. All the while you creeping, tipping, and dipping with these false gods. The false gods of your ideology, the way that you think, the false gods of the things of this world. Your lust and your desires. All these other things that you have put in the place of God, that you have made God in your life. No, that word says, choose ye this day whom you will serve. He said, if it's the God of the Amorites, you go serve them. He said, if it seem evil to you to serve, you know, to serve the Lord, then you choose who you're going to serve. But my goodness, I hope you hear the Bible. He's saying you choose. He didn't say you can have it all. He didn't say you can have both. He said you got to choose. And I'm telling you right now, the God of heaven and earth is telling somebody you got to make a choice. You're not going to be able to be lukewarm, stay in the middle. And, God, and, and God's going to be content with that spot in your life? No. God says it's all or nothing. He says either I'm going to have all of you or I don't want none of you. I know that's hard. I know that's hard, but you got to hear it. And you need to hear it just like that. God said, I want you exclusively. Either he's going to have all of you or he's going to have none of you. We think that is, and the illusion is, is that it's really something that we just get to, we get this, this, this image almost as if God is just sitting there just waiting for us to, to figure out. Uh-uh. God had already moved on. You don't want him, he don't want you. That Bible said God loved those that love him. Now, he loved the world enough to make salvation available to the world, but don't get it twisted thinking that God is in love with the world. He is not. He got enough love for the world to not want it to go to hell. But he know the most of them going. But God is fair. 
He don't, even though he know it, he don't want it. So he made salvation available to all men. But the fact that God would make salvation available to all men does not mean that he is willing to wink at the sin and just let people get away with unrighteousness, with reckless abandon. No. Salvation is there so that you can come out of sin, not so that you can continue in it. I know this is hard teaching. You don't, we don't get this all the time. My goodness, we're going to stay on the wall like Nehemiah. You can't have God and the world. You got to choose. Folks, you got to choose. You got to choose. It won't work any other way. Many things in life will cause the response of fear to trigger. And be that as it may, even though that's a natural, can be a natural response. The wrong type of fear is not always, or let me say fear is not always the correct response because it can be the wrong type of fear. Why? Because the wrong type of fear carries torment. Look at 1 John 4, 18 through 19, where God says this, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. The wrong type of fear. It has torment in tow. It's what it brings. Yet the scripture tells us there is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear. And you got to understand, God is love. So that's what we're really talking about here. God is love and he is perfect. He casts out his presence dispels the wrong type of fear. This is why you got to have the right type of fear. Because what you don't realize, fear, when you understand it from the biblical perspective, the right type of fear conquers the wrong type. The right type of fear dispels the wrong type of fear. See, God is love. The right type of fear is reverence and that respect for God. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So then the fear and love of God is manifest through obedience and where that obedience is 
causes you to abide and to dwell in the most high, who is love. You see where we're going with this? And because he is love and you are abiding in him, you are dwelling in him. And he alone is perfect. <laughs> Guess what he does? Cast out fear. <laughs> Glory to God. Cast out fear. You just read it. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Do you hear it? Perfect love. Fear beats fear. The right type of fear dispels the wrong type. Because that wrong type of bring all that torture and all that torment, and that's not what God has for you. How do you know that? Second Timothy 1 and 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of what power and of love. There's that love again. <laughs> Why love? Because remember, perfect love casts out all fear. God is all powerful. And notice what he says, and of a sound mind. The word of God says he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. I hope you see how all of this stuff is tied up. That's why I love the word of God. I just can't get enough of it. I absolutely love the word of God. The, all the, you know, the Bible says here a little line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. I just, I love it. All of these things throughout the scripture and it all builds. And it culminates. And when you understand all of these pieces, then it snaps into focus what he was saying, the apostle was saying, as he's being led by the Holy Ghost to say, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Do you realize that what he was telling you is that he didn't, instead of giving you fear, he gave you him? Glory to God. Glory to God. He is all powerful. He is love. And those who think on him, he gives them perfect peace. That's your mind. All of it right there. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. You just, I mean, you just, I'm, I'm telling you, stay in the word. Part of what this is for is, 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 is to encourage that you and to fan the flame of you wanting to walk and learn as much as you can about God to never, I mean, just, I want you to be insatiable for the word of God. Just can't get enough. We never looked at it all these, but that's literally what is happening when he tells you right there for God hath not given us the spirit of fear. He didn't give that to you. And when we talk about that, we're talking about that negative type, the one that holds you down. No. And you know why? Because it's not God's desire that you walk around in fear. Do you not hear what the scripture says in Isaiah 51 and 12? I, 
even I am he. That's really enough right there, but I'm, I'm going to continue. But I love that part. I, even I, am he that comforteth you. Who art thou that thou shouldest be afraid of a man that shall die and of the son of man which shall be made as grass. Who, he said, God said, you, he says, I am he. I'm the one who takes care of you, who comforts you, who lifts up your head when things are going sideways. He's the one that steps into the doctor's room to be there with you. When the doctor's giving you bad news, he's the one whispering, telling you it's going to be all right. Telling you, I got you. I got you. When worse comes to worse, it was him who's always standing right by your side after the dust settling and the emotions begin to wane and everything and the tears and all of a sudden and, 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 and the silence begins to creep in and it begins to kick up dust and start to get loud. It's him that speaks a word right there, right there, right there. Saying, I am he that comforted you. Saying, I am the one who still got you. Have you felt abandoned? Have you felt like, man, there's nothing else? Well, I'm telling you today, God is saying, I am he that comforted you. I know how you feel. I know what was said. I know what you want to do. I know how you want to act. I know what it looks like might happen. But do you hear God saying, I am he that comforted you? And then he doubles down with it. He says, who are you that you should be afraid? of a man that shall die. He says, I am the one that got you, so why are you running scared? No, saints, we don't need to run. We don't need to back up. And we most certainly will not be retreating. Not today. Not at all. Because Jesus is still God and he's still on the throne. And heaven and earth still belong to him. And you belong to him. You belong to him. I said heaven and earth belong to him. You made an earth. But you have been given the right to heaven. Only believe 
and don't doubt. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, that reverence, that respect. It is not God's desire that you walk in fear, but rather it's his desire that you rise above it. You ascend above the noise of fear. That's not your calling. Living in fear is not your calling. You are not called to that. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You've got better promises. Because you have, you serve the true and the living God. Now, if you don't know the God that we're talking about, no, we won't leave you out. You too can be entitled to this. You too can be a partaker of this. You too can have this. You too can be an heir of salvation. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Acts 2, verse 38. But Brother Walker, surely that can't apply to me. Go to verse 39. For the promise is unto you and unto your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Yes, it'll work for you. It'll work for your parents. It'll work for your children. It'll work for your coworkers. It'll work for the acquaintances too. It'll work for the passers-by just in the day-to-day. -day. It'll work for all of them. Work for the boss and it'll, it'll work for the police. It'll work for everybody. It'll even work for the prisoner. Works for the lost. <laughs> work on the so-called found too. Work on all that. Repent. Starts right there. Got to change your mind about the way you do and what you do. You can't be okay with sin. You can't have a secret love affair with sin, that part where you just okay with doing the wrong thing because of, no, no, no. 
You had to cut all that trash out. If that word says God don't like it, you got to adopt the stance to say you don't like it and you're not going to like it anymore. I don't care if you loved it. It's plenty of things I used to love. Plenty of things that if you ask me now, I would say, man, that felt real good or that, that you know what I'm saying? Or that seemed okay. But here's the problem. Checked it against the word. Guess what? It ain't good. So I had to let that go. And some of the things that I had to let go, I have to daily let go. It's what the Bible tells you to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I don't mean work to be saved. No, that means the things that you are saved from, you got to get on. In staying away from those things. You can do it because God gives the Holy Ghost. That's him. He gives himself. That's really what that is. He gives you him. And the Holy Ghost is the power to overcome. He gives you everyday victory. So there isn't an addiction or a hang up or a setback that you cannot overcome through the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I'm, I've already, I'm, I've ar I'm already a recipient of that. I've already been brought over and I'm all, and I'm still overcoming. So I know I, this is not, this is not hearsay. This is not an opinion. This is not, no, this is what it is. The word works. The blood works. That was shed on Calvary. I'm telling you right now. Somebody said it flows from the highest mountain to the lowest valley. Dude, I, I, man, that blood works. And if you listen to this and you don't know Jesus, you need the blood applied to your life. You got to cut out this foolishness. You got to stop this sin. You got to stop right where you are. Don't go no further. Don't go no further. Turn to God with your whole heart. You don't have to know how to get it. You don't have to know how it works. Just be obedient. He will do the rest. He'll do the rest. He'll do the rest. He'll do the rest. Oh, and he'll fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you right now, oh, you won't even have to wonder about, do you have it? I'm telling you, you will speak in new tongues, languages you didn't even know. I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you. How do you know it? How do you know it? Let me tell you how I know it, because for the promise is unto you and unto your children and to all them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Do you know what the word says? God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. He is faithful. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I think we'll stop for here. We wanted to really just hammer in on the topic of fear to really explore that. And I think we did that. And next week we'll wrap up uh, things, Lord willing, we'll wrap up really the, the rest of all of this, this text. It's just been a good, good, good lesson. God bless you. And until we meet again, you have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday. Amen. Wow. <laughs>